0: We're having a threesome with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers. And now, It's Complicated.
1: Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen.
0: And I am Rob.
1: So you know how you ask your friends where you should take your first date? What on earth this text means? And if it's okay to post a certain pic on the socials, Well, that's what we call your village, and we think you can't date or relate without them.
0: Welcome to our village, and you should be pumped to be here because we are bringing you expert guests who are filled with all the answers that will take some of the guessing out of the game.
1: Make sure you subscribe and share our podcast with your friends so we can help the village grow even bigger. You can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your pods, and don't forget to tell a friend. We've all been in and out of relationships. Some were long, some were short, some were fiery and toxic, some were more mellow and steady. Some people that we only dated for a month left a lasting impression in our lives, and some longer commitments are ones we regret. No matter how it all turned out, we always hope to learn something about how to do it differently next time with our actions and choices that will get us closer to finding the one. Off the top of your head, guys, what's the best lesson or piece of advice that you took away from any relationship that you had in the past?
0: I don't know, Lauren. Did you you have like like going into your relationship with James and obviously it worked and Jen and I haven't found anything (laughs) that worked. So like, what did you bring into that relationship that, you know, maybe you were like, I'm going to do this or not do this. Or then you had to like, like, like in your mind, think about don't do that. Okay. Well,
2: yeah, totally. Okay. Well, coming out of a relationship that I was just ending right before I met James, Jen was like privy to all of this. It was like super toxic and weird. And it was like the example Jen was just talking about the type of relationship that was like, not it was like four months long or something, but it made a lasting impression. It was really intense. What I learned is to listen to your gut reaction, pay attention to the red flags that are, you're being shown. And I know this sounds really generic, but why it's an accurate, like thing to say right now to bring up right now is because I did not normally, I would have taken my time and been like, Oh, well made excuses potentially or whatever. But I did not. I like, told myself that I needed to pay attention to the red flags that were being shown to me. And I was like, that's it. I cut it off, even though I like didn't really want to because I was like into the guy and it kind of sucked. But I still you know, you get trapped in that toxic thing. So I think what I told myself in the moment was like, you need to, I wasn't going to make a snap judgment after like one bad incident. But after like a few, and it only went like a few months, I was like, Nope. Forget it. And then I told myself, okay, now I know how to do that. And I'm not going to do it again.
0: So when you went into the relationship with James, did you like, how did you carry stuff that you learned from that four month relationship into this that made it so that you got over those humps? Or, I mean, obviously you guys are long lasting. So like what, what
2: there might, I mean, sometimes the start to relationships can be like, not rocky. And James and I did not have a rocky start. It was just a very slow start. And so I needed to not get mixed up that mixed up with like the feelings of intensity that I had in the relationship before. But all the while still keeping in mind, like if things are popping up, then I need to pay attention to them. But it and there were a couple of things that kind of like did not red flag me. But there were a couple of things that made me feel like i needed to question like if we were both in the same spot. And did, so I did was his
0: not to not to th- i'm not going to put out any of his personal information obviously but there were circumstances in this relationship that you've probably never had in other relationships before. Circumstances
1: right? in my current relationship? Yeah. As an onlooker i can actually say objectively what you learned because i watched it unfold but in Your first dynamic with the person who told you to have a nice life, um, he, I think, was not someone you could easily communicate with. Therefore, there were blowups and it became something that escalated where it didn't need to. So what you got from that was the ability to communicate your concerns more clearly and more efficiently right in the moment. You address things head on because you were like, well this looks like it could be problematic. So let me address it. And you did. And so you articulated your needs, I think, much more clearly and on the spot than you had in the previous dynamic, because you were like, well, I can't let this go on if this is bothering me. And so I think you nip things in the bud a lot quicker.
2: Okay, that's better said than I would have. Okay, yeah, I agree to that. I don't even know that I would have it's still not perfect. I still probably could always say things better in the moment. But yeah, I think that's an accurate assessment from an outside perspective that I wouldn't even have thought of. But yeah, like they were both very different types of relationships. But yes, I still carry that feeling of like, if something's going to keep happening that's bothering you, then you can only let it go on for so long, basically. And then you're like, okay, you need to draw the line somewhere. That's a boundary. And I made that boundary faster in the previous relationship than I ever had in my past relationships before that.
0: What about you, Jen? What, what have you learned in like in past relationships that, you know, first of all, what, what is, what do you think has been like the most intense relationship? Has it been like the long, are you like a long-term, the more, the longer you're with somebody, the more deep and intense it is, or is it like, it's just a matter of like feeling and.
1: No, I actually think the more intense relationships are the ones with the people who are the most toxic. And that's why it's so intense because it sucks you in and then it causes you all sorts of confusion. And then it heightens because you're dealing with emotions, but maybe not communicating properly because people escalate things to the point where they don't need to be escalated. And I think that's also what creates the most trauma is because then once you're out of that, you have to put yourself back together and you only can look at your side of things and diagnose it and analyze it to the point where you have to reflect and move on because you don't have another person who's a healthy participant to bounce thoughts off of and to communicate with and to untangle yourselves in an appropriate way where it's like, okay, well, now you can wipe your hands of that because you've solved all the problems and can move on. Um, yeah, but, but have you,
0: have you, did you, what did you learn from that kind of relationship? Like, and, and if you, if you're going to carry that into the next relationship, what do you, what are you learning that you're carrying into? Like realize that it's toxic right away and that those are the feelings you're having. is kind of like a, uh, heroin addiction. Like you're kind of just getting that yeah. high really quick. And that's then you,
2: exactly, that's exactly what I think just said too. the same exact thing.
1: Yeah. So for me, it's, if it looks like a toxic relationship and smells like a toxic relationship and gives me a toxic feeling in my body and I become a person who is, anxious or insecure, which I am not normally. I'm like, ooh, all signs are pointing to this not being a healthy dynamic for me because we're just not a match. We're not on the same page in terms of communication, where we're at, what we want, how we look at each other, whatever the case may be, it's not lining up and it's not aligned in my body. Gotta go. So I try and cut that much quicker than I ever have in the past two. Rob, what about you though? Because you've had a lot of long-term relationships, I would say, I've, I mean, I've watched you be in relationships along the way. So what have you learned and taken away from those?
0: Uh, see, I've been, in, I've had, I have a lot, <laughs> I have this one friend, Jess, who we'll have on the show at one point, but I, she's like a really good friend of mine. And she swears that I'm always in a relationship. She's like, you're always, you, ever since I've known you, you always have a girlfriend or somebody you're dating. And I'm like, that's not true. It's not true. I've been in LA for 23 years. I think I've had six, relationships in the 23 years I've been out here and not, not, but not more than one of like three of them have only been like two years or longer, you know? So that's, does not the math doesn't add up. I've been actually more single than I've been with somebody since I've been here, but I'm in the same category of like, you know, sometimes the ones that last six months, I've had ex-girlfriends be like, we were only together for six months. And I'm like, yeah, but we were together for those six months all the time. And like, That was an intense six months that we were together, you know, and um, I think the one thing I learned from those relationships is that I, they don't give me love. Like the, the, the feeling of love isn't something that somebody has and then they give you and then you have it. Like I decide where I get my love from. I decide what my attachment is to somebody. Like I, I have, it's all perception, right? So, like, w- nobody gives you the physical sensation of love. You feel that towards somebody.
2: Okay, but you feel it because of things that they might be sharing or showing you. You think, like, respect, um, uh
0: Gosh. Yeah. But it's that. But that's what I mean by perspective. Like it's my perspective. What, what respect is like, it was my perspective. What, what like, you know, disrespect is or going yeah. out or what you're wearing or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like that's my perspective. So like nobody gives me that and they can't take it away either.
2: Interesting. I like that. Okay. So then you, but they, they still need to be a participant in, I guess sharing feelings and and having feelings for you in return too like there's still like a give and take but you are saying you have more you have more control over
0: Well it's not control I hate that word I've gotten so angry at that word control over my life because people see it as different things but like yeah,
2: Let me interject for a second Rob I don't think that control just like the word manipulation does not always have to be bad manipulation means to change it doesn't it's used often in a negative way and control is used and associated with someone who like is trying to like grasp onto you in a negative way or into onto something in a negative way. But it's not always bad. But I know what you're saying.
0: No, I mean I admit fully that I like control. I like being in control of like that's why I don't like flying, because I can't see where I'm going and I don't know the person flying the plane. And like that's you know, you are you ever you are in control of my life and I don't have control of that, you know? Like that kind of stuff. But I think what I mean is like um, with relationships, like it's a two-way street, obviously. But like, you know, that person doesn't control how I feel. I control how I feel. And the next relationship I go into that, I will have more of like a, instead of like on my toes approach to it, it's more of like on my heels approach to it. Like kind of letting it come and then taking what I want. Do you know I what like, I mean? Just-
1: yeah, well, it sounds like you're taking accountability for your part of the relationship, how you feel within it, and then also how you proceed.
2: Well, you guys, it really does help for us to all talk this out for ourselves and for others, because sometimes it really just helps to hear that other people have gone through relationship ups and downs and that others like have been through some unconventional situations or whatever, but they still have hope and faith and motivation to get back out there and take the hardships and turn them into like a positive lesson that can change your perspective on finding love instead of just like, oh, I'm never going to find love or being down about it. You know, you got to like take the good from it and move forward. Like what did we learn? Like we all just talked about. So, Today, we are really lucky to have Dean Cheramay in to discuss his complicated relationship history, how his public and private romances changed him, dating as a single parent, and how all of these experiences shaped how he dates and views love now.
0: Dean is a nationally renowned chef, TV personality, and author of the healthy hit cookbook, Eat Your Heart Out which takes the skills he learned in Michelin kitchens and makes them accessible to all.
1: Dean graduated top of his class from the French Culinary Institute and has worked in the kitchens of Nobu 57 and the three Michelin-starred Jean-Georges. He also has a Certificate of Food and Beverage Management from Cornell University.
2: After a decade in New York City in that restaurant scene, Dean moved back to California to star in Fox's hit show, My Kitchen Rules, and The CW's Terry Crews Saves Christmas. Appearing regularly on Access Hollywood, CBS, The Talk, Fox's Good Day LA, and Hallmark's Home and Family.
1: He's been a contributor to Cosmopolitan, Us Weekly, and The Daily Meal. Cheramay creates branded content working with Wall, Duncan, England's Best, Zest, Stonyfield, and Alive Multivitamins, to name a few.
0: Dean is also a certified nutritionist, chef, partner, and healthy living advocate for wellness in the schools, part of Michelle Obama's Chef's Move to Schools initiative. He currently resides in Los Angeles with his young son, Atlas.
2: He's going to cook up some well-done relationship tips for us. Welcome to the show, Dean.
0: Well, wow, well done! I hope. I mean,
3: I've had a lot of errors, so I don't know how well done it's been so far. But I, <laughs> I think I'm getting. Uh, I think I'm getting the hang of it. You know.
0: <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on, Dean. We have to know. We ask all the guests this when they first come on: Are you single, taken, or is it complicated?
3: No, I'm very taken. Very, very taken. Uh, what
1: does "very taken" mean?
3: I mean, very taken. I'm in a serious, committed relationship. So it's it's very, very taken. No. Uh, no eyes on anything. A else. Taken. Not a little taken. Not a little a, taken. A very lot taken. Yeah. A lot taken.
1: How did you guys meet? Tell us.
3: Um, we met randomly through, uh, it was kind of through a mutual friend, but weirdly, and this is how I always tell the story, and Sabrina hates it. Um, I always say she slid it in my DMs because that's actually how we. That's s- what
1: you told me. Yeah, but
3: that's <laughs> how we started communicating is that. Um, she, I guess, we'd seen each other on that stupid, or she saw me on that Raya app, which is like the, dou- the douchebag dating app. Um, <laughs> of course, I was on it, so I, I don't know. I can't really talk that much, talk that much shit about it. Um, and I guess for me, I didn't see her because my and this is like, hear me out first. My age preferences were set. They stopped it. I know. You're making that face. They stopped at forty because in my brain, I was like, okay. I was getting out of a relationship. I have a son. I want to have more kids. Someone who's older than 40 probably doesn't want to have more kids. And so I kind of set it from, you know, whatever, 25 or 28 to 40 or something like that. I don't know. And um, so, yes, yeah, so she saw me. She knew about me. She asked a friend about me and she ended up just looking up on Instagram and her friend said, hey, reach out. And she realized that I had just moved to Studio City she's like, oh, you're right off the block. And then we ended up meeting at Whole Foods. That was our first time we actually physically met during during the pandemic. So I saw like this much of her face. It was like a mask up to her eyes and like she gave me a huge hug. And it, it was weird because it was one of those hugs that felt like a friend you hadn't seen in a long time kind of situation. And it was
0: just like really easy and comfortable. And it's kind of just gone from then. So it's new. So it's kind of new. It's, it's pandemic new. It's almost a year. Wow. Coming up on a year. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I I, I mean, I got to tell you, it is it's good to have and not to say anything different about, you know, what our past um, episodes have been. But since I've joined the podcast, it has been me and the two ladies and then lady guests. And um, sometimes it's hard for me to get like a real opinion in there because, you know. Sometimes I'm, you know, the majority of the, of what the, you know, it looks like the view looks like, but
2: <laughs> because all the girls are cackling over you, Rob, is that what you're saying?
0: No, I'm just trying to say like some, if I wanted to be like, I disagree with that. I'm probably not going to be somebody's probably not going to be on my side. Yeah. It's probably going to be three people against me.
1: That's not true. So- no, it's kind uh- of like, yeah, no, I'm usually against you. So I'm definitely the one.
3: I love that you just made that's a blanket statement. I'm just usually against you, no matter what you say. I'm usually
0: against you. She is. She she is. But but you know, it, like if for example, if I had been on this podcast with one of our other guests and and you two ladies, and I was like, I tend to date girls between this age and this age. I would probably get looks and then they'd be like, why? Oh, I got you looks. Know? What do you mean? They gave me looks. I saw the <laughs> I, saw- <laughs> I know, which is why I'm like, thank God you're here because now you can back me up on the sense that like, just, you know, I don't do, I don't, the, the listeners are very aware and the girls are aware, but I, I don't do dating apps. I have just never been on one. It's just not my thing. Oh,
3: thank God but for that. But the people
0: I do. Yeah. Well, the people I try to steer towards dating wise have skewed a little younger <gasps> in the day. But I've learned my lesson with that. So now I have an age range that just because we get older doesn't mean we want to stop the like our dream of having a family. Yeah, you know? of course. So, like,
3: well, I think there's also a disparity in the maturity levels between <laughs> women of a certain age and men of a certain age.
0: It's very true. But like I've had people be like I had because I'm 45. And I've had these girls uh I've had girlfriends of mine that have been like I can set you up with the most amazing 40 year old or the most amazing 39 year old or the most amazing 41 year old. And I'm like, that's great. I'm sure they're, they're fantastic, you know, but like, I want to have a child (laughs) some point, you know, or at least have the prospect of doing that or, you know, not in, and and not in a rushed fashion. Like even if I met somebody, you know, in that age range. They not saying they can't do that, but they're probably going to be a little bit more towards let's hurry up and get this done.
3: It's like the inverted, uh, what do you call it, the the clock in your, you know, like the women have the clock where they're like, okay, it's ticking, we got to go. And you're like, you're kind of going the other way. You're like, I'm just trying to stretch it out and make sure that it's the right thing.
2: You know what? It's a very good point, Dean and Rob, like you saying, I want to date a younger chick or whatever. And if a girl says, I want to date like a guy of this type or whatever, if there's an explanation behind it, then you're not going to get the looks. Those are very, as a woman, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like,
1: well. As the woman who is single here, speaking for the p- female population, I would say my age range is usually set to much higher because of men getting closer to death. You guys die first, so I'm like, <laughs> good. Let me, let me go find somebody who's old and tired and wants to speed this process up. Yeah. So I'm not the one with the sense of urgency. It's them who has it. Like, I mean, Rob, you're wait, close wait, wait, wait. wait.
0: I want to know what age range that they're they're old and tired and close yeah. to death, but use but they still want to be a dad. Yeah. So like because- where look when,
1: around they do for whatever reason at 50 what is this age range date?
0: what is it like 47 to 49 like That's what is crazy. the age range that you that you put yourself in sugar daddy range yeah <laughs> no
1: i can pay my own bills it's not about that it's about urgency so yeah, but i feel like guys who are that age
3: probably already you know, been divorced once at least have their family situation locked down and they don't want another another child usually i would i would imagine
1: well, not in LA, friends. Some of them are Peter Pans who have never done a single commitment in their life, sadly,
0: and are. But why does it have to be P- See, this is the other thing that drives me crazy. It's like if if you're single, like because I am that guy. Like Dean's no longer that guy. Dean met his girl, his girlfriend at a Whole Foods, and they're very happy. And I've also been divorced a couple of times, so I've been through the shit. He's been through the shit, but you're not in the shit anymore. No, not but- at all. And I don't know how old you are, and you don't have to. You don't have to disclose that. Just turned forty-one like, last week. Okay, so you're in your forties, but but you have somebody. Being being that guy that is forty-five and single, I'm not Peter Panning. There's no Peter Pan around here anywhere. There's no Wendy. There's no you know lost boys running around. Like I'm I'm just somebody that tried in this city and just didn't work out. And we discussed why that happened. Yeah,
2: I don't honestly, in my opinion, I wouldn't. It sucks to get. Pulled into that category. Like Dean, Dean may get pulled into a category of like a, always in a relationship or something. Like yeah.
3: I'm that. I'm that good.
2: will do that. If Jen, if Jen, let's just say, who knows, let's say she decides to be single till she's 45 or she never, whatever she wants to do, she may will get pulled into a category as a woman. Like she's too picky or whatever. Some people are going to say what they're going to say, but I don't think Rob that you are a Peter Pan.
1: It's just also I wasn't directing my comment at you, Rob. Just the general population. So but I think the stigma
3: goes both ways. If you're of a certain age and you've never been engaged, or you're not divorced or whatever, people are like, "Oh fuck, what's wrong with you?" Because they're like, "Someone didn't at any time make a commitment to you in a serious way, and you you haven't you're never been engaged, you haven't been married." You know that, that's like always a red flag. I think it, it cuts both ways. Yeah.
0: Now, what about Sabrina? Yeah. Is is your girlfriend's name right? She's is older she than Married me. before. It, oh, she is. Yeah, she's older. Was she married before? She
3: was in a long-term relationship where uh, she has uh, her daughter. But we, she was never, well, she was, actually, I lied. She was married when she was really young, uh, mm-hmm. really quick relationship. Then she met uh, Olivia's dad, and they were together for a long time. Um, but they were never married. And she's four, or five years older than me. So I like older women. Um, my second wife was older than me. <laughs> so... I know. Did you get
0: married real young, also? I did. Were you married really young, or did you get. Yeah.
3: I got married when I was uh, 21 years old, and she was 19. But we were together for. We were together for almost nine years.
0: And what part of Kentucky are you from? I know, (laughs)
3: exactly. No, it was like a very public divorce, too. It was a very, like. You know, whole oh, we know. Yeah, disaster. Let's
2: talk, uh, let's talk about that. So, your first relationship was to the singer Leanne Rhymes, or your first yeah. marriage? Yeah, first okay, marriage.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, that was that one. That you were that I young. I was the
2: guy. Wait, <laughs> okay, Dean. That is so young. Like, I, it's crazy. Okay, now, what do you think went wrong with that? And can you can you say that? Like, going into that relationship, it may have been age that played into the fact that it didn't work. I mean, looking back on it, would you, because we always say, like, you don't know what you want until you're, like, in your 30s, or do you think that had nothing to do with it?
3: No, I think age um, definitely played a role. I think, you know, there was a a large part of me that I'd kind of lost in that relationship where I I just kind of took all my creative energy. I stopped doing what I was doing. Obviously, she had a a star that was very brightly shining, and I was like, okay, instead of us doing you know, opposite tracks and going and trying to do our thing, I'll take all my creative energy and kind of put it into her world. And, you know, in that process, I had kind of lost who I was and who I wanted to be. And I just think that, and we were working together, I was managing with her. It was, there was just so much kind of incestuous work energy where there was no, you know, it came to a point where there was no delineation between what was work life, what was personal life. And the thing that I learned, you know, the mistake that I feel like I made was that, um, I just couldn't turn it off. The way my brain works and the way that my creative energy works is, you know, we'd be at dinner and I'd be like, for the next tour, we should do this and we'll have this and the band will be doing this and the, the set will look like that. And I'm sure that, you know, she was probably like, I just want to fucking have dinner, dude. Like, <laughs> that's just, you know, cause she's the one who has to, you know, do be on stage most of the time. So, um, it was, a, it was a huge learning experience. I don't regret any of it. It went down in a really shitty way, obviously, but I feel like Honestly, it's like it's so cliche, but it was the best thing that it could have ever happened to me because it jumped, it, k- it kicked me in the ass to jumpstart my life and, and really start remembering who I was, what I offered to the world, and you know, what my dreams and hopes and goals were. And I would never, be- I would have never become a chef
0: had I not. Did gone you, to that. did you go the other way in the next relationship? Like, were you super laid back, like, about? like work and all that other shit. Do you know what I mean? Did you overcompensate?
3: Uh, I think that, well, yeah, well, Sarah was, she's, I'll never ever say a bad word about her. She was amazing. And she still to this day is a good friend. We were best friends. We probably, you know, getting married, I think it was, we just got caught up in our relationship and I I adore her, but I, I think that we were just best friends and probably should have stayed that way. And we kind of, I was just, you know, just going through culinary school graduated. I was working, you know, 16 hours in restaurants so we kind of lived these parallel lives anyways. And we'd come together and, you know, we kind of had inverted schedules. She's a photographer. She'd be in the studio doing her stuff during the day. And then I would be at night. So we'd kind of be ships passing in the night anyways. Um,
0: so this
1: sounds like the opposite dynamic. But or- it was like the
3: total opposite dynamic. Yeah.
0: It sounds like a hallmark movie. A photographer and a chef. I know. Yeah,
1: And I have the,
3: like, I have the Goldilocks combination where it's like, I have the best of both worlds where we can work together. We can play together. We have kids, you know, we have, the common interests. We have so much, you know, that is, that's okay. Right. Yeah. yeah.
2: I want to get into that. Cause it sounds like you now found like a really nice working relationship and loving relationship, but so you were a professional dancer and then yeah. you went into culinary school. Like what, that is like a massive shift. And we do need to address that here. I think just because we live in a land in LA Where everyone is in the industry, I'm throwing up air quotes. That means like the entertainment industry, for those of you who don't know. And people move here from all over the world, which I think affects the dating here. And then everyone's trying to be this thing and they're working their asses off. So, two questions. What is your advice for someone who's like in the industry and they're like gonna take a turn, but they're afraid to like take that turn because they don't wanna like leave this goal that they had? And also, how. Did the, your relationship push you in that direction?
3: Well, I think, you know, kind of going back to the original question is people come here to get famous. And that's like, it's a weird, it's a weird bubble where there's one thing that people move to LA for. And it's it, that, like very, you know, in, in New York, it was, there's a diversity of people, you have know, there's finance, there's cooks, there's that, you know, there's so many levels to it here. It's like, everyone wants to be famous and not a lot of people want to be great at what they do. And I think that is a huge disconnect yeah. and it's something for me, like I've always wanted to be, I always feel like, you know, you, if you're so good that people can't ignore you, you know, that's, that's the kind of the level that I want to operate on. But here people are just like, they want the quick get famous. I want to be on, you know, an Instagram star. And I want to have my, you know, like it's just about, it's all this kind of self-serving bullshit instead of actually saying, okay, What's my craft? How do I hone that? What am I going to do every day to kind of move that needle and keep that story moving forward? I think people get lost in that, um, and that's—I mean—that's a lot of LA, and that's why you see like this—you know—the percentage of people who who you know quote unquote make it is so you know few and far between.
1: I also think you said something really interesting. You said um, like something about people not being great, and I kind of feel like that sentence is a hard stop. Because people come here to be famous, not great people. And that's the unfortunate. Don't cultivate who they are as a human being as hard as they maybe aspire to be famous. And so when we're trying to date in LA, unfortunately, you're dealing with people who only have developed part of their personality or persona. And they lead with that, which is why Raya, I think, is a sham of a relationship app. Because it's really a public portfolio displaying your best filtered images and no one writes a bio and you pick a song that's supposed to be like your song my song is like the way you look tonight by frank sinatra which actually is my I song like it, that's like, good that's so me and so but i'm p- trying to put out this person somebody wants to marry and instead people are like just trying to find the like next hottest instagram model of any sex and so i think that's where la falls short i'm sure other areas have their own problems But in LA, people are really just concerned with what you do, not who you are. And so maybe that's why Rob and I are still trying to find people because we really do work on who we are and we're not aligning with people who are worried about what they do. Why don't traditional diets work? Because you can't fight your biology with willpower. But calibrate is different.
2: It's a comprehensive, doctor-guided metabolic reset that promotes sustainable results through lifestyle changes. Calibrate works because they combine prescribed, FDA-approved medication with lifestyle changes to improve metabolic health. It's a fully integrated program that includes classes, one-on-one video coaching, in-app tracking, and a community with members just like you.
0: They provide a comprehensive wellness plan personalized to your needs so it's easy to fit Calibrate into your busy schedule. Check in with the app as often or as little as you'd like. All the goals you set are personalized and tracked by doctors and coaches.
1: Your weight doesn't reflect your willpower. Get back in control with Calibrate. Get $50 off the one-year metabolic reset when you use promo code Believe at joincalibrate.com. That's $50 off when you use code BLEAV at joincalibrate.com.
2: Dean made a g- great point like you have to let go of of this idea of whatever you're being great at something, let me just say, isn't maybe what you had in mind at first. Like mm. you might come to LA to be great at this thing but be open to the signs that the universe is showing you because you might you you want to be great at something? Well, guess what? Dean realized like, okay, yeah, I was a great dancer and I had a great time, but like, I think that the path is pointing me to be like a great chef and it's a totally different path, but you paid attention to the signs in front of you and you went that way.
3: Yeah. It's funny you say that because it was something that I learned how to cook and dance almost at the same age. My grandmother taught me how to cook when I was like five years old, I was in the kitchen, just helping her. And I was a super hyperactive child. And and she put me in dance and started getting me in the kitchen at a really young age. So it was one of those things that was always a through line in my life. But I was, it was was weird, because it's something that's like, literally right in front of you, when I cook for my friends growing up, and I'd always cook all the family dinners. And then I was, I went through a shitty divorce. and I was like, Oh, yeah, this has always been here. This is something that I'm really good at. And I would have never, you know, it's literally something that was in front of me until it smacked me in the face. I didn't actually, you know, go down that path. And obviously going from being a dancer to being in a kitchen is kind of just a transfer of, of a discipline.
0: Mm. Well, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, you're, it's all artistic, right? You're just, you're taking something like dance is something where you express yourself through your movement, right? And then cooking you express yourself through your food. I'm sure going through something like a divorce, you're probably going to have to start cooking for yourself.
3: Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I, thankfully I've always cooked for myself, but yeah, it's, it's funny. Like everyone always likes to equate the like, cooking as an art and it, it, when at a certain level it is, and when you're doing it for yourself, but majority of the time when I was either dancing or if I was cooking, I was kind of executing someone else's vision. So you're almost more like, mm-hmm. I like to equate it to being more like a craftsman and you find that kind of the, the success and the excitement comes from that, perfecting that same that certain move or that certain dish and you just you find those levels of perfection in that kind of repetition which is you know it is that, i
0: never you know. even thought about that that you i mean if you're you're a michelin star chef trained chef but you go work at a you have to work at a place where that there's a there's somebody who has their own dishes that you just have to re.
3: Yeah. If it's not your, if it's not your name on the door, you're, you're doing other people's dishes. So, you know, obviously when I did, I had a private event company and I would do things, you know, with brands and and stuff like that. But majority of the time you're executing someone else's vision. Um, So it's, which is also kind of a weird through line in my life where I felt like I've been, I've been helping someone else out (laughs) a lot more than I've been helping myself out. So now it's, it's nice to have a a balance of both.
0: Well, Jen and I were talking about that on the last episode about how we, We tend to save people, you know? Oh, I'm a saver. Hell yeah. 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 Well, yeah, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like that you like to take in people and save them and, or like, at least feel like you're giving them the air to, you know, sail or like be the person that they want to be. And that's like, yeah, to
3: your point, I love, I love cultivating something inside of, and I think this is why I love being a dad so much is that, you know, I'm not there to, dominate his life and tell him what to do. But it's like, I'm there to like provide this fertile soil and ground that he can put roots into and kind of do his own thing. And I can kind of help him navigate those, you know, those twists and turns. But for me, it's like, I love, I don't know. I, I've always been that way. Right. I love helping people to achieve whatever they want to achieve. Or if I find out something like I, I don't keep it to myself, if I go to a restaurant or I go to a place. It's like a lot of people get very insular and selfish I want to tell everyone about it. If I bought this new product, I'm like, oh, I want you to own it too. I want you to, it's so amazing. This is going to be so great for you. Like, I'm just one of those weird, weird people that way.
1: Well, that makes you a good influencer then. But (laughs) going back to your son and that you are giving him this fertile soil to grow, how was it starting to date as a single father and having to communicate that with him? And also, you know, like, what do you tell him about why you're not with his mom?
3: Yeah, I think it's, well, he and his mom and I have been apart longer than we, te- we were together. And I think he is just his normal life. That's his, obviously, we put more uh, emphasis and stress on it than um, he's just like, I got the dad's house, I got a mom's house. Um, it's just kind of become his, his new normal, which is it's bizarre. I mean, obviously, in some perfect world, who wouldn't want to be with the mother or the father of their child? But, and you know, in the real world, unfortunately, it just doesn't work out that way. But as far as dating goes, I think the the stigma is definitely, you know, kind of we were talking about the, the, the male female dynamic, you know, being a single dad is way sexier than being a single mom. I, you know, I'm sure that, you know, you guys have, well, maybe you think that, or maybe you don't think that, but I, I feel like it's more of a, it's, it's more, especially from a dating perspective, people go like, oh, well, at least he probably has his shit together. Hopefully a little bit. He's had such, he has a child. He's been, you know, in a committed relationship. Like what, you know, everyone has uh, falling out of a relationship for whatever this reason or that reason, but it, it kind of like gives you a little more qualifications on your resume. I guess yeah.
2: you're more
0: sensitive. You're more, you're more. Yeah. What about you, Lauren, you, Lauren, when you,
2: that's one of the reasons why I really liked J- James. My current husband had a, like, five she was just turning six when I met him and she is literally like a full-blown 45 year old now no she's like 12 but it's like that was one of the things that I was like yeah I mean that made him totally sexy that I never even thought about that double standard until now but yeah it is way sexier for a guy that was like I couldn't wait to see him with her because we took time I'm sure you did too to like introduce oh yeah and we'll talk about your time frame and that but I was like just dying to see him with her because I just knew it was going to be like, so it was going to make you fall
3: in love with him. Yeah. Even more. yeah. Yeah. Yep. For sure. And, but it's weird. I guess that's kind of like, what does that say about men too? Because if you see a man with a, you know, it's like if you're a single guy going after a woman who has a child, it's a totally different dynamic. And I think you don't, especially as a young single guy, you don't understand that how, much of a commitment that is on a day-to-day basis just to you know be a single mom be a working mom it's like sabrina i mean she's one of the most badass women i've ever met she's you know self-made works her ass off and is a badass mom is a full-time mom it's like you know it's full-on and that for me i thought that was the sexiest thing you
2: only think you understood that because you already had a child
3: Oh, I think I have, I think, well, see, I was one of those weird people who's always wanted to have a child. Always, obviously, I always wanted to have a family. I came from a fucked up divorced family. So it was always trying to like recreate that childhood that I didn't have. Um, so yeah, I think that I would have appreciated it, but it's more like you're playing dad instead of being dad uh, in a certain way. And I, I'm sure you could grow into, you know, I'm not saying that every single, guy, no single guy can date uh, a, a woman that has children. But I think for me, knowing it on a different level, having a child. And I hate to be one of those people that's like, you don't until you have a kid. You just don't know. Well, and, you you can't. Don't, though. and you don't, <laughs> I know. But it's fair. like, but I, I don't want to be an, I don't want to be an asshole to not, someone it's who may. not ma- a
2: negative ma- thing. It's just, it's an experience that's very hard to explain. You can kind of wrap your brain around it, but you really don't know until you know.
3: Yeah. I just want to be fair to people who like can't have kids or, you know, for whatever reason, it's just, you know, I'm, I always want to be sensitive to that. But yeah, it's, 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 it made me, Looking at her, it made, it was like a hundred times more. I mean, she's incredible freestanding by herself, but no, seeing what an amazing mother she was and knowing how hard it is to be a single parent was like this shared thing that really bonded
0: us as well. See, I'm the opposite kind of in the sense that like, I look if some, I've had people be like, would you date somebody who had a kid? I'm like, 100% I would. But I've had experiences where I had a girlfriend for two years And when I met her, her son was three. And I stayed in that relationship for a year and a half longer than I should have Mm. because of that kid. Yeah. You know? And because she wasn't very good at being maternal. And the dad used him as a weapon against her because they had a really shitty relationship and a really shitty divorce. So now it's not, would you date somebody who has a kid? It's I will date somebody who has a kid who has a good relationship with the with the parent, the other parent and that they are good at what, and that child's their priority, yes, I'll do that. And they're okay with me coming in, then I'll do that. If it's just a woman with a kid who's like lonely and has, you know, bad situation going on, then I'm not fucking doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's like sort of where we're at now, And going back to the whole age thing, is that we're getting to the point where you can't escape baggage. We're not just free and clear roaming the earth with nothing that we're bringing to this table like history wise we all have a set of relationships that we bring into the next relationship hopefully we've learned the lessons and we're not repeating the patterns but in terms of now dating somebody that has a kid i feel the same way as you rob like i need to know if they have a kid that there is no baby mama drama or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be or the like honestly even that they're mourning the mother of their child because then where do I fit into that scope? And obviously I can't control someone's storyline, but at least I can sort of get a good gauge as to what they're bringing to this relationship uh, baggage and mental health wise, because I don't want to save anybody anymore. I'm putting an end to that. I'm not strays with drama. I think it's a good litmus
3: test too. If you see how the person that you're going to be with interacts with someone who they had a relationship with and doesn't have a relationship with now, um, you can get a pretty good sense of how healthy that person is able to kind of navigate those waters because co-parenting is, it it can be, it can be messy if you're not, you know, you know, ready to play nice.
2: There are, there are a lot of ups and downs in co-parenting and I can attest that my husband is very like even keel, but when it comes to kids and different types of people, and you're trying to like, just I don't know, Dean. You know, like you're trying to logistics, scheduling, and opinions, and whatever. You're even if it's like a healthy relationship, there are ups and downs, and there are different types of things that maybe you might butt heads on things. And a kid is here half the time, and a kid is there half the time, and you have to be as that person's partner, supportive of knowing that that's just realistic, even if because your partner could be i'm not saying this is my situation but one of the partners could be very like James's James's um ex could be very like level headed and James could get very like hot tempered about something and somebody could be off on something and you just have to like try to support those moments of inequality because that and I'm not saying that's my situation I'm just saying that can happen it can be unbalanced at times and that's just You got it. It doesn't, it's not a judgment call on that person always, you
3: know? Yeah, no, I I think that it's funny because you see, you know, a lot of it comes down to communication and you see the things that were communication lapses in your relationship. It doesn't stop being that way. Like I am, I'm pretty much community. I I am who I am right now, who I was in that relationship or we interact in a very similar way. But I, I think it's, it's really important to kind of, understand that first of all, you're not in a relationship with that person. You don't have to deal with them, but at handoffs and, you know, be cordial to them. And there, it, it can't be a competition either. Like it, it can't be like, uh, Oh, I I'm a better parent or I'm a this, like it doesn't mean no, it doesn't Atlas no good. If I set her up to fail or if she forgets to do something and I just kind of leave her out in, in the lurch, like it's at the end of the day, like, what do I get out of that? My hurting him. It, I'm hurting him. Yeah. And, and it's it's like, if I win, we both lose, kind of situation. So yeah, it's a.
2: You've got to be on the same team, even though you're not in a relationship with them, because it does no good to badmouth the other person or point out. I mean, you, you know, you just, that's the other person's parent. So you want that, you don't want to try to like expose something that kids are kids. You got to put on kid gloves with them until they're ready to acknowledge the things on their own. But did you have, how is your co parenting going now? Like, because you've got it on both sides. It's not just you. Like, is it smooth sail? I mean, without giving too much information, do you guys feel like you have a good working? Yeah. I think we
3: have it. Yeah. I think we have it dialed in, but yeah, like you said, there's, there's now four parents involved in this whole thing and we're all kind of navigating and we all have our, obviously outside of being parents, you have your own personal bullshit that you bring to the table at any given day. And we're all, you know, ebbing and flowing as humans. Then add in, Two children, a six and a three-year-old, who have you know big emotions and lots going on, and they don't always understand what's going, you know, the dynamic of everything. So it's yeah, I I don't ever want to be one of those people that says I don't ever want Atlas to hear a bad word about his mother come out of my mouth, like ever, like at any point. You know, I'll explain why you know what happened or why it didn't work out, but uh, he doesn't need to be privy to any of my personal bullshit or my personal drama. I don't think that's gonna it's not gonna help his story, and it's not gonna. Um, my goal isn't to make him like me more than it is to like her, you know, so yeah,
2: you want him to feel love from everybody. That's the goal.
3: Yeah. And my, I mean, my ex is dating someone now and, and people will ask me like, Oh, like, you know, what do you think about him? And I said, first off, like my, my concern is not, um, how the two of them are. Like if yeah. they're happy or whatever, like, I go, is this someone that I trust around my son? Is this someone that is going to surround my son with love? And he's a great guy. Super sweet. Beyond that. I don't, it's not my business. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I have to like be healthy enough to say like, cool, I've moved on. She's moved on. Um, that's just one more person to surround him that, you know, surround him with love. So like, it's just a win-win for him. And it gives her more stability anyway. So I think that's, you know, letting go of that and, and not have kind of getting over the ego of that. And I, I definitely don't think, you know, years ago that I would have been in that place. Like I've done a lot of work on myself and I think, had I had a kid in my twenties, maybe I would have been a little more competitive. Cause I am the like type a, you know, I'm in the bed. I'm going to have you always in this outfit. Like it's funny. Cause when we take him to school, it's very different. Like he's very like combed and brushed and she's more like hippy dippy. And he's like, his hair's a little bit tousled and whatever. And I just kind of have to accept that that's, and he's going to figure out what he wants anyways, but it's like, we're just two different people. And that's how, that's how we choose to parent him. But I'm not worried that she's going to leave him on the, you know, on the parking lot in, in Trader
0: Joe's. <laughs> but do you think, do you think that if you, if you weren't in a relationship for a year, that it would be different? Like if you were single.
3: I think that would you- had I been younger and not done enough work and know who I am, of course, I think my ego, cause I, I mean, I still have a healthy ego, but I had a tremendously uh, aggressive ego in my, in my twenties. And I think it's also, you know, people like to talk shit about that, but I think it's, it's why you get to be where you are. And, you know, it's part of your drive. It's part of your story. If you don't have an ego and you just, you're not, you're not really in it as I know, as much as I'd want to be. I feel like that's the thing that drives me. So I think that in my twenties, I probably would have been like, Oh, I, I need to be with somebody or like, I need to level the playing field in some way. And, and now it's like, you no, know, I know who I am and I know I'm willing to wait. Um, but we kind of ended up kind of meeting people at the same time so it it just kind of works. it's funny
0: that it's funny that like we keep going getting back to this but like i think us guys we we don't do it on purpose but like we start to figure out who the fuck we are and we start to like wake up one day and realize the lessons we've learned and like like even my guy friends that are single and like are just want to stay single or whatever they're like that's that's who i am is just who I am now. I've learned that this is who I am. Somebody says, I have a temper. I know I have a temper. Do you know what I mean? Like, they'd be like, I know that this, I want to sleep alone on this side of the bed. And when, you know, after things are done, you go home, you know, because I know I want to be alone. But
3: I'd rather, I'd rather that than someone who doesn't know themselves and is pretending to be something, right? Like someone who gets married because they think they're supposed to get married or have kids because they're, that's what they're at that age that they should have kids. You know, I'd rather you say, Hey, cool, I'm gonna hook up, but you know, you're gonna go home after this, and this is just the world that I wanna live in. I mean, that's if that
0: works for you, that works for you. That's what I'm saying. It's like no matter what, we're learning who we are. And if somebody's showing you that, listen. hundred percent. Listen to them. Yeah.
1: Right, exactly. So, in terms of you though, Dean, like you've obviously gone through these different relationships. You also then had to date as a single dad in LA on top of things. And then Sabrina slides into your DMs. How did you <laughs> figure out that she was somebody you wanted to continue seeing and be in a relationship with and now you're super taken what was it about this dynamic you her the whole pandemic what was it that really ushered this relationship further versus other ones
3: um she was so empathetic she is so empathetic and just has done so much work on herself. Um, and she just from the, I feel like from the time we met, it's like, she got me from like the word go. And she, I feel like is the first person who's actually fully understood me 360, not just like a piece of this, like, Oh, that part's cool. or Oh, that part's cool. I feel like she see, she's seen the good, bad, the ugly, and she likes the good, bad, and the ugly, um, or deals with the ugly <laughs> when it happens. But we've also done enough work at this point point individually that we were ready to finally, you know, have this cultivate this relationship. We even said, you know, ten years ago, we probably wouldn't, you know, we'd have probably had a fast and furious, sexy, whatever, and it might it may have burned out. Who knows? But right now we were in the, the right headspace to be able to understand that we wanted to cultivate this relationship. A lot of our goals, uh, family, business, all of these things aligned in ways that we we just there was, a, there was an um, an equanimity or, like, an equality that just we had. But there was no power struggle, right? We, we have, like, we come from certain backgrounds, certain le- levels of everything just kind of met on, um, on many levels. So it was just kind of worked out.
2: Did you feel that connection right away? Because we talked about this, even specifically on this show, like, where... Certain types of relationships, they could be, you know, three months long, but they leave a lasting impression because they were so intense. When you're kind of looking for, you want that fire and that romance, but if it's too fiery and too hot, like that's sort of the ones that like burn out quick and they're like kind of usually connected to a toxic relationship, but not always. So, like, how did you feel? Did you feel like an instant connection, but you knew it wasn't like one of those like, maybe toxic instant connections like was there a difference or how did you know did you know right away or quickly because you were you were on the same level you're saying like instantly
3: yeah i feel like having kids also levels that playing field as it is like i know this is going to be more of a serious uh relationship we, we i mean we started communicating over text and you know you know when you start to talk to that person you have that banter and you're like oh this is fun and it kind of like it should have been probably only three texts. And then you've been texting for the last three hours. And then you're like, Oh, this is like a whole different thing. And you're like covered a lot of ground. And then when we met, like I said, I I gave her, I hugged her and it felt like it was like, it was like a real hug. And I was like, this is somebody who, you know, and she, and she was in jeans, a sweatshirt and Uggs at Whole Foods. And I was like, Holy shit. And all I could see were her beautiful brown eyes. And I was like, like, it was like one of those weird moments where I felt that, that feeling. And I was like, wow, that's, this is not like,
0: hey, I want to fuck you, and <laughs> and that's it.
2: Although that's fine too. She would appreciate, <laughs> that, I'm sure.
0: But like we we talk about, you know, like Jen and I are the opposite spectrums of of the whole dating world right now. You know, where she is on the apps and everything, and she does go on dates and she is very proactive. I have a date after this. To- <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like her job. Amazing. Do you want me to sit around and wait for somebody to knock at my door? No, it really does become your
0: job.
3: Sorry, Robin, let me cut you off.
0: No, it's true, but like she's, uh, we and I have a bunch of friends that are very proactive in that, and I'm the opposite. I'm like, if the 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 most I talk to people I don't know that are women are through DMs. You know, they'll DM me, or somehow it'll happen where we start talking. We have mutual friends, and a comment will be made, and then we DM each other, and then it's like, do you want to meet up? So that. That kind of social media, whatever you want to call it, is how people meet nowadays. It's not, especially in the last year and a half, two years, it's not as much of go to a bar and get that feeling, but you still need that feeling when you hit, when you meet that person. For sure. You know, it's, it can't be a PowerPoint presentation. It can't be, you know, do you fit all of the different love things that are on my list?
1: What are you trying to say? I'm not gonna bring a PowerPoint to this date. Jen, like yeah, but
0: age. you have one in your head. You have one in it's your more head. of a
3: list of demands <laughs> than a PowerPoint.
0: Yeah. If Jen if if this if the if the waiter doesn't bring the bread before the olive oil, then she's out of there because that's a sign. <laughs> that's a sign that- <laughs>
2: That's not true. My signs are much deeper than that, Rob. She does like to pay attention to a sign, but that's getting going a little. Hard. But
0: you do. You look, Dean Dean knows what I'm talking about in the sense that like when you meet that person, you guys obviously do too, but when you meet that person and and that feeling is there, then you start looking to see if things line up. Then you can bring out your PowerPoint and go, okay, does this meet here? Does this meet here? Does this meet here? And then if if there's things you want to compromise on, then you decide whether you like that's something that's either big or small to compromise on. But when they get to that equal, like everything just matches up perfectly like it did with them. You just, I guess that's when they say, when you know, you know.
3: Yeah, right. and it, you know, it's something that it, it's funny, you know, obviously no relationship is, is without conflict or, you know, anyone is like, oh, we've never had a fight. We've never done this. You're like, that's psychotic. Cause that's not, that's not real life. And it was something that Sabrina said, I wish I could take credit for it. Um, she said, you know, we were in a fight or uh, an argument about something. And she said, you know, we could, we could keep repeating, we could, we could, you know, not we're going to break up, she's like, you know, we could keep repeating these stupid issues with other people or we could solve it here and work mm-hmm. on it together. And I was like, wow, it was like one of those things that blew my mind and it was such a mature thing. And I was just like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and was, and she, she was 100% right. And I just thought it was such a, a moment of clarity and maturity. Just, and, and I think a lot of, relationships go that by the wayside because you are on your, you're, you go in your own world and you don't think, okay, is this worth actually working on and, and doing, fixing those problems and fixing those past traumas here? Or am I going to keep repeating the same shit? Cause I'm just going to break up. You might break up with an amazing person because you're just going to keep repeating the same bullshit because you can't get out of your own way. Wait, will you well, see that again? Cause that was ego
1: again. So it's like you're battling your ego instead of your heart and your heart might want to stay, but you just can't get past your own walls and boundaries and issues. And you might lose out on somebody great. Now, you have been in multiple relationships, and some of them have been more public than others. Do you feel like you have any sorts of guardrails in place for how to take a relationship public? Or were you just like, well, now Sabrina and I are dating, I'm going to post about it, and we'll see what happens?
3: You know, it's funny. I think that this is the first time I didn't feel the need to tell the world. And that's another thing that to me, I was like, oh, I'm, I don't have to show her off. I mean, she's fantastic, beautiful, incredible woman and mother. But I didn't feel like, you know, before I'd feel like I'd have to flex. Like, oh, like, I'm still like, I'm a great guy. Look, I can get a girl and they're cool. And like, here they are. Like, instead of that, it was more like, it was almost like, I don't, there's nothing to prove to anybody. I don't need to, to show anything off or, or be anything, but just who I am in that relationship.
2: So you just did it naturally. Like anybody would like, this is me and this is my partner and here's a picture. Like there was no Yeah, we
3: we've been dating for a little while and I, it was months before we released any it wasn't like we were dating for two weeks it's like, hey it's my you know yeah. <laughs> But you also girl.
2: you also have kids to consider. And 100%. did you so what was your timeline on if people are in a relationship and have a kid or dating someone with a kid? Like what's your advice on timeline with introducing I mean they
3: say the whole thing is they say six months, but like I don't know. You have to be you have to see everybody's situation is different. Um, Obviously I don't think Sabrina wanted a rotating door, you know, revolving door uh, of men around her daughter. And likewise with, you know, weird girls or women around my son. so I think that we were just feeling it out and naturally like ebbed into, you know, us introducing us because once you, I mean, the kids now, especially they, they are so bonded. They love each other. There's like, it would be hard to, you know, pull them apart and it would would tear my heart apart. So, um, knowing that and knowing how bonded, you know, we are as a family, it's, it's, it is a delicate kind of balance and there's, but there's no, you can't say, Oh, it's six months, eight months. It's three months. It's, I guess you just have to feel it out yourself.
2: Yeah. You have an added layer there with, the kids bonding. It's not just you bonding with her daughter or her bonding with your son. It's then the kids are bonding. And that is like on another level. Like I don't even know how to wrap my brain around the other layers that that comes with, but that is definitely another factor to consider. And like we all talked about in the beginning of the show age, we're all at a certain age where this is a very, very real thing to consider in your age range on your dating profile, why it's there, what kind of people, cause we're coming in contact with people with kids. So like be privy guys to all of the different things. Yeah. Don't just get blinded by like some girl you want to have sex with or a guy that you, whatever. Like if there are kids involved, like there is a lot, if there's a lot going on there, do you think that in your past relationships had there been kids and you had been younger that like that, you may have stuck around longer or like Rob, you said that happened to you. Like, are you worried that that's ever a thing? Like, because, Oh, now there's all these bonds that it's not just you and her. It's like, now is that going to affect like, I don't know, addressing a problem or having to say goodbye potentially. If you did, not that you're not that you're going to do that, but I'm just saying, do you, I mean,
3: uh, rob are you taking that one or <laughs> <I was> just- <laughs> no man no, I was- <laughs> you that's, yeah. that's you i feel like um no i think people probably do stay much longer because you do bond it's like we all stay in, in relationships for different reasons but you have to know also at the end of the day that if you're in a toxic relationship if mom and dad aren't good it trickles down so i don't think that you know holding on to something selfishly uh, because you're, you want to do it for the kids. And I think that's why a lot of parents should, should probably get divorced. I mean, we obviously live in a a society that gets divorced quite highly and and often. And, but, but you also have those stories where people are like, oh, we've been together 25 years and they're absolutely miserable. And I would rather those two people split up, find out what their true joy is. And the kids would be like, oh my God, it's, you know, when you see your parents happy, you know, it's, 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 you're happy. Like I grew up with an alcoholic father and my parents were divorced since I was two. Um, My dad died a few years ago, so I didn't have that positive male role model. So like kind of Rob, what you were talking about earlier, like you're trying to figure this out. There's no, there is no, like, for me, I was like, there was no nothing to model it after it was.
0: I, I agree with you 100%. My, my dad was an alcoholic. Uh, he, but my parents stayed together their entire relationship and my friends would be like, My parents got divorced. It sucks. I'm like, you're fucking lucky. I'm like, my mom talks shit about my dad in the kitchen. And my dad talks shit about my mom in the living room. See? You know, like like I when I go back and forth, I'm just hearing it from all angles all the time. And I grew up in that situation my entire life. But I also have this thing where like if now, instead of being like, don't, I don't want a relationship at all, it's like when I'm in a relationship, what I've learned is you stick in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you stay in it. And that might be a bad thing that might explain a lot of my attachment issues. When I, when people, when I do break up with somebody, I have a hard time letting go, you know, or I think going
1: uh, back um, to what we said about like us also trying to save people. I come from the exact same background of an alcoholic father and parents that stayed together and watched them fight and say horrid things to each other. And then just wake up the next day, like nothing happened. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I would like some crisis communications here. Let's problem solve. Does anybody want to like, I don't know talk about it and no, they didn't. So it was just we moved on as though nothing happened. So I would it get teaches in you terrible
3: patterns, yeah.
1: Yeah, I would get in relationships and so I took what unconditional love meant and I thought it was that and I was like, okay, so if you say you love someone, that's the commitment. It's not what you're going to do to keep showing up and actually work at the relationship. It was, well, they said they love me, we obviously are getting married, we're together forever. Love is a hard thing to find. So you have to keep it and doesn't matter if they abuse your soul. And so Mm -hmm. what I (laughs) I, I realized from like my worst relationship was that I was reliving my parents pattern and I didn't have to because it didn't serve me at all. And no one was married in that dynamic. So I didn't have to stay. So I was like, Oh, I'm choosing this toxic environment. I obviously want to live in hell. Fun. And so I removed myself from that dynamic um, and now we'll never repeat that ever again because I'm like, wait a second, let's call a spade a spade. I was the problem repeating the pattern. I don't have to be in that. And so hopefully I never will again and get out of it You know, if I see it.
3: Well, the problem is that hell becomes your normal because you've seen that pattern repeated over and over. So it's not even that you may you call it hell now because you can objectively look back at it. But that's what you—that's all you've been shown. It's like if you grew up you're without TV, with yeah. That. If you grew up without TV, you never miss it. Yeah, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, and so
2: familiarity is what you want. It, it, even if you know stress is familiar to you, then you're a stressed out person for a reason because that's your that it feels odd to be something else. I was in a different situation, and there's positives and negatives. But my parents separated when I was like six. I don't even remember them being together. And it's because they did not work out well, but they did a very good job of being, you know, a a team, even though there was probably shit that happened behind closed doors that my mom never like expressed to me, like Dean, like what you're talking about with like, not saying anything bad about, you know, your son's mother, like, they were all very diplomatic about it. And I will say, you know, in the 80s, that felt like it made me feel like an outsider, that I was like the only one that had parents that weren't together. But really, now looking back on it, I realized that it was the much better situation to have them not be together. Had a very, very blended family. Like my mother would go over to her in-law's house, my father's parents with her boyfriend and my dad would be there with his girlfriend and we'd have all the Christmases and the Thanksgivings together. It was very progressive for the time, but it was, it was great and lovely. And, you know, again, positives and negatives to everything. Cause I'm sure there's other patterns that I've repeated in my relationships that had to do with that and whatever, but it's stuff it's stuff to consider because I mean, Jen and Rob have a similar situation. Mine was different, but there's always something that you're gonna be repeating or that you're gonna be feeling in your next relationship that comes from that. Like it's all very layered and confusing really. But
0: Yeah. And, and but listen, you've you've figured it out, right, <laughs> Dean. You've gotten to a point where at least you figured it out for now, knock on wood, where you found you, you went through the trials and tribulations and you and you you have a beautiful blended family that well, that you're putting together. You're kind of molding, and uh, we're very excited for you. We're excited for your, all your your future endeavors, and and we just appreciate. I appreciate you being on the show. My first male guest. There you go. I appreciate you having my back, and 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 you know sometimes when you hear it from two people, it sounds real instead of <laughs> just one. But. Tell us where we can find you on all the social medias and, and any books or any, you know, YouTube or any podcasts or anything like that. Give us the whole spiel where we can go. Yeah. Find the whole
3: you. spiel is, uh, s h e r e m e t S H E R E M E It's at Dean Shermay everywhere. Instagram twitter all of that stuff and uh, i have a cookbook called eat your heart out uh which came out a couple of years ago and it's kind of like taking all the the fine dining uh elements that i learned in the restaurant world and distilling it down into something that's approachable and accessible i think for me i've always like i was saying earlier i i always want to let people in and i feel like there's a there's sometimes a big divide from you know, people's perception of chefs and what what food really is and it's for me, it's just an opportunity to get in there and make delicious stuff. And most of the time you can eat mistakes. So it's, it's pretty good.
0: That's awesome. You said you had a podcast too, right?
3: Uh, I, I put it on pause. I had a podcast, uh, but I put okay. it on pause. It was called dive right in, but the episodes are still live, but yeah, I, uh, I put it on pause for the most, just too much going on.
0: A lot of people have put things on pause, yeah. but uh, you can still go check it out. You can still go check it on, on, on all the all podcasts. The, all of them. Yep. Great.
1: Awesome. Well, everyone, while you're Checking out Dean's podcast and reading his cookbook. Also keep tuning in to It's Complicated where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff. And we're going to be recapping some of our favorite shows from the past year. So while you're there, please obviously subscribe, rate, comment, and share it with a friend. And if you want to join the class of master daters, which we know you do, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. And where can everyone find you guys? You
2: can follow me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social medias.
0: And you can find me at foreverzevers, F-O-R-E-V-E-R-S-E-V-O-R-S on Instagram.
1: And you can find me at Jennifer Golden on all the social medias or your nearest dating app. Not Raya. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you
0: <y'all. laughs> Not Raya. We'll see you next time.
3: Thank you for listening to It's Complicated. And now that we're going steady,
0: come back next week for another date with Jennifer Golden Lauren Leonelli and
3: Rob Evers.